Well, hello, the no one that listens to this. It's Linda. And BJ. And we're going to be watching the Matrix franchise. We're going to go through theatrical release. So that means we're going to watch Matrix and then Reloaded and then Animatrix and then Revolutions. And And we will finish, hopefully, with Matrix Resurrections, which comes out in the next day or so. Tomorrow, I believe, actually. Yeah. Well, we're recording this December 21st. 2021. 2021. Can you believe it? We made it. Yeah, whatever. This year sucks. Anyway, stay, stay tuned for the Matrix. All right. Well, we just watched the Matrix. Yes, we did. Two hours. Was it? A little, little bit over. Running, running time was over two, two hours ago, yeah, so... Definitely, uh, definitely, uh, but good movie. We'll, uh, start off, we'll kick off this episode with Linda's synopsis, which we will, since we now have a timer, we can see how long your synopsis is going to be. Buckle in, folks. Strap in. It's not going to be two hours. That's how long the movie was. Yeah, let's. There's a lot of ground to cover. We promise to get this done in a reasonable amount of time. <laughs> you promise. All right, listen. listen. For those that have never seen The Matrix, stop whatever the fuck you're doing and go correct your life. Okay, anyway. Um, So the movie starts out with a phone call. You don't see any people. And it's like, I'm here to relieve you. And it's like, oh, you're not scheduled to relieve me. And she's like, oh, I just want to. And he's like, oh, you like him. Mm." We're like, we don't understand what's happening. These are just voices on the screen. It's just black. We don't know what's going on. And then see these police and they're like oh shit they're oh because on on the screen it's like oh the call is being traced i'm like okay sure and then you see all these police and they're like gonna break down the door of this building room 303 and this is gonna be a long fuck this is gonna be detailed whatever anyway so then um they open the door and it's this girl carrie ann moss aka trinity with the best most beautiful eyes Ever in the history of film, maybe. That's for debate. Anyway, um, then these agent guys show up and they're like, you're supposed to call us. And they're like, it's just like one little girl. And they're like, your cops are already dead. Because Trinity's a fucking badass. It's so cool. So the there's a scene where she jumps up in the air and her legs are posed in a very like specific way and her arms are posed in a very specific way. And the camera rotates while she's frozen in the air. And that shot was copied fucking everything. Oh, so the 360 shot is what you're talking about, right? Yes. Because it looks like they move around her body. Yeah, she's frozen in the air and the camera moves around her body. Yeah, which... And that shot was in everything growing up. No. It was... The beginning of that. Yeah, the beginning where she jumps up and the camera moves, that shot's everywhere. It was in Shrek. It was in Shrek. It was definitely in Shrek. They totally made fun of it. Anyway, um, she demolishes all the cops and she runs away from the agent people and she jumps an impossible jump and everybody's like, oh shit. Meanwhile, we cut to our main character, Keanu Reeves, in all of his gorgeous 90s glory. He's so handsome in this. Thomas Anderson. 
well, we'll get to this. Anyway, so he's a hacker, and he... Yeah, uh, by the way, that's the only time that you're like, oh, so his only credible thing is that he's a hacker, which never comes up again, by the way. Well, it's like a foundational thing. I'll, anyway, <laughs> so listen. He's a hacker. He wakes up, and his old-ass computer, because this is 1999, uh, goes black, and then it's just like, wake up, Neo. And he's like, uh, what? Computer? And the computer's like, knock, knock, Neo. <laughs> or follow the white rabbit, Neo. Anyway. So you haven't heard oh, of fucking yes. instant messaging so yet? So Keanu Reeves' character is known as Thomas Anderson, but he goes by a hacker named Neo. <laughs> this only makes sense if you've seen the movie. <laughs> it's totally nonsensical. Anyway. Um, kind of. Whatever. So he opens the door and people are like, oh, you got the stuff? And he's like, yeah, but this shouldn't come back to me because he's a hacker and it's a floppy disk because it's the 1990s. Well, anyway. The one thing we have to realize is what is he selling? What is that program? Hacker things. It does, it's not important for the story. But I think it is. The only reason we see this is because the bitch got a white rabbit tattoo on her shoulder. So there, there is a, a lady... And but there's they like invite an entourage out. of people, and they're like, you don't look so hot, man. Come to the club with us. Because the club is always a place you should go when you're not feeling The hot. club's bumping. So he goes to the club, and oh, who's there? It's Trinity. He knows the name Trinity, because she hacked, I think it was the IRS. I didn't write it down. but she. So she was a hacker, and she goes, oh, that was a long time ago. So that's the reason that him being a hacker is relevant to the story is because that's kind of how they track these potential candidates for matrix depro extraction stuff. <clears throat> that's what it, 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 it moves very fast. It's a very blink and you'll miss it kind of thing. But she's like, you're looking for Morpheus and you're looking for answers. And he's like, I, yeah, I am. And she's like, I'll be cryptic, but you'll find out. <clears throat> so then he wakes up the next morning and he's late for work. He works at a software company. Called? Called Metacortex, which we had to pause. Oh, wait, wait. Is that meta? Well, I think cortex because like cerebral cortex and then like meta is like yeah, but metaphysical. Are they, are they being real meta with that? Metacortex uh, well, corporation? Okay, so listen. This will come up later when we talk about other important things, but... There's a book that Neo has, hides his, like, shenanigans, hacking things in. His hacker program? Yes. And it is called Sim Simulacra and Simulation. And it is a philosophy book from the 80s that I swear to God they had to have read because it is about, according to Wikipedia... Uh, in which the author seeks to examine the relationship between reality, symbols, and society, in particular the significance and symbolism of culture and media involved in constructing an understanding of shared existence. Basically, if you liked The Matrix and you're into philosophy, check this book out. Right up your alley, imaginary listeners. Anyway, um, so he goes to work. And his boss is like, mur, 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 being a boss. And his cubicle is very empty. And I think that it's 
to show you that he's very isolated in this quote unquote real world. And then Well that's actually a good good point out. Yeah. Good, good call out on that. I yeah. Didn't realize that until now. Yeah. Well Super uh, vanilla cubicle office. Yes. Setting. Just think of a generic cubicle. That's where we're at. Every office setting that you've ever been in. Pretty much. Yeah, but there's devoid of there's no personal, like there's no photos, there's no like magazine cutout thing like there's nothing in there so so, i think that shows his isolation yeah or the fact that this is not like kind of like a real world almost because like the real world or the dream world (laughs) well like but i i think you understand where i'm going with that like the his cubicle you know part of who you are as a person you bring that with you right but his cubicle at work, literally nothing. There were no pictures. There were no, mm-hmm. there were no personal items. Like, even in my personal space, I know, obviously, during COVID times, like, I'm not going to the office, right? But it's even in my office, I have a picture of you, for example. I have, a, That's right. a, you know, pictures of the dogs. Or I have mementos. Plants. Or, you know, yeah, or little fidget toys. Yeah. Well, like, that's what makes the place. That place, that desk of mine, my place. So that goes a little bit back to the interaction that he has with Trinity at the nightclub. is very brief. But in it, she talks about how he um, lives alone, how he is isolated, how he doesn't feel connected or part of this world. And that's another way that they look for candidates. Anyway. So Is they're, like, his... looking for, like, incels or something? We'll get to that. <laughs> we'll get there. <laughs> Fucking red pills. Listen. Listen, we'll get there. We're not there yet. Stop. <clears throat> We're ten minutes in and we haven't even come to the It's not even ten minutes in. All right. Look at this. Nine minutes and eighteen. And Whatever. Have, okay. Have you covered anyway. any ground on the plot yet? Anyway. He's at his vanilla fucking office. And FedEx shows up and they're like, we have a cell phone for you. And it's the oldest fucking cell phone you've ever seen. What are you talking about? That was 1999. That Nokia slider phone? Everybody wanted that when they were. Listen. I wanted that fucking phone when I was that. When I saw that movie, I was like, oh, the one that slides like that. The click. Bam. Yeah, you ready? Bigger than your whole entire face. (laughs) It is. Fucking brick. Anyway. uh, On the phone is Morpheus. Lawrence Fishburne, whose voice is. Chef's kiss, wonderful. Lawrence Fishburne. His voice is so... Br- all of... Listen. His yeah. voice and Hugo Weaving's... I, they should have just like a... The, they should just have like a smoldering voice off. To walk Mr. Anderson. <laughs> You're living in a dream. Like they should just like... Just be in a room together where they just have different lines that they say back and forth. Like not even like... I don't know. Their, their voices are, are lovely and amazing. This is the point of this. Anyway. Yeah. You're going to keep saying Moving anyway. On. Moving on. Okay. Tangents. All the tangents. Anyway. Uh, so he's like, what's up, Neo? Like, you and I should have a chat. And then, oh, shit. What's, what's this in the elevator? It's the agent people that were after Trinity in the beginning. And he's like, well, fuck. They found you. So uh, there's two ways out of this building. You go, like, the way I say or you go with them. And so he kind of guides him through the phone, through his office. And he's like, how do you 
fucking know the layout of my office. And he's like, that doesn't matter. I'm a voice on the phone. Listen to me. <clears throat> so he gets to this office where there's this scaffolding. And he's like, okay, go on the scaffolding and make it to the roof. And he's, Neo is like, mm, I think the fuck not, man. Like, this, no, I can't do this. So then he gets captured by the agent guys. And they're like, mm, you're a hacker and we're going to send you to jail. Or you could help us get this other hacker guy. Because we know he called you. And the then everything codes. will be fine. We need the mainframe codes. And then Keanu Reeves is like, mm, fuck you. Literally, I'm giving you the finger. Give me my phone call. I know my rights. And they're like, oh, bitch, you know so fucking little. And then they take his mouth away. Like, they literally take his mouth away. His Which, mouth is by the gone. way, that was pretty cool. Like, those graphics held up. The special effects, like, pretty cool. Yeah, it was, it was pretty neat. I remember watching this movie and being really... The freak the fuck out by that. Oh, yeah, that part was freaky, right? Well, and, and the like, little... Especially when you're little, too. And the, the little, like, fucking shrimp, metal shrimp thing that they put in his belly button. Oh, the metal shrimp. Everyone was fucking freaked out by that. Yeah, it was creepy. <laughs> and not to mention how they fucking extracted it. Well, so we're, we're not even at that part yet. They put the metal shrimp in him. Oh he God. wakes up and you're like, well, that's a fucked up dream. And then he... Gets a call. Gets a call. Oh, it's Trinity. What's up now? Or no, it's not Trinity. It's Morpheus. And he uh, tells him to go to this place. The bridge. And the, in the car is Trinity. And he's like, oh, what's up now? What's up, girl? She's like, hey, guy. Get in the car with me. Car's got suicide doors. It's very, like, cool looking. So he gets in the car. And they're like, oh, wait up. Real quick, though. Let's just take this bug thing out of you. Like... We're going to have this really weird fucking machine we're going to put on you. I hope you dressed us. Yeah, no mention. We're, lift your shirt. Yeah. I'm going to put this on your fucking abdomen. Listen. And it's going to suck this thing out through your fucking belly button. Okay. I'm sorry. How hot does a girl have to be for you to be like, yes, you have this giant weird fucking machine thing. Let me lift my shirt so you can put that on my skin real quick. Like, Carrie Ann Moss has got some beautiful eyes, <laughs> but I don't know that I would do that. I'm just saying, Neo. Anyway, they take the thing out, and he's like, ah, which, that's the appropriate reaction. And the then, Yeah. So then they get to Morpheus, and this is the scene everybody knows, where he's like, do you want the red pill or the blue pill? And it's a very, like, the, well, the cinematography in this is great, because there are many, many, many shots um, that are, like, mirrors, where you're looking at the character through a reflective surface. You see it on doorknobs, and... Uh, the car mirrors and then in his glasses you see on one hand the red pill on one hand the blue pill it's very beautiful you, you, let's save that for after the synopsis please well, all right. we're at theater. almost 15 minutes I took two hours man okay so then he takes the red pill and they're like well buckle up buttercup and then he touches a mirror because symbolism and Alice in Wonderland and the mirror like well, crawls saw, all over him. And I like the symbolism of the mirror being cracked like it was not whole. And then all of a sudden Neo starts looking at it and now the mirror is there's no cracks into it. Like you couldn't see him complete. Like it was a very interesting way of showing that you are trying to see your full self. You're right. But let's save that. 
Oh, see? No, just kidding. Okay. Synopsis, 15 right. minutes. I know. It's a very long movie. So, uh, the mirror covers him, and he wakes up in a pot of goo where he's bald and just, like, hooked the fuck up to all kinds of stuff. It's very jarring, and it's beautifully done. I mean, But that's the cool part of it, Beautifully right? done. If you've never seen this movie before, A, you should not be listening to this. <laughs> you just spoil your own damn Don't self. listen to this. But B... Like, the visceral change, like, I remember being like, the fuck? Now, I was very young, <laughs> and it was very easy to get that kind of reaction from me. But okay. even still, I feel like if you've never seen The Matrix, well, and you don't know what it's about, and you see this, you're like, the fuck? I still have to say, it holds up, though, even after watching it however many times. Watching it again, like, it just, it draws you in. Yeah. That's a lot. And that says a lot about the storytelling. So. It's beautiful, and it still is a little bit jarring, but nothing compares to the to the first time when you don't know what to expect. So he wakes up, and he is, you know, in a goo pod, and then he gets flushed down to a sewer thing, and he gets picked up, like, uh, <coughs> claw machine style, and uh, they have to, like, repair him and stuff, and they're like, mm, this is the real world. So then they... Um, so they... You- the claw machine brought him up into their ship. Yes, into their ship. They're the in a hover ship named the Nebuchadnezzar. And uh, we meet the crew. It's a bunch of people that are expendable, except for Tank, who's the operator. And? All right, we're going to go through. The, okay, so there's Tank and Dozer, and they were born in the last remaining human city of Zion, which we don't see in this movie. Um, but it sounds cool. And then there's a bunch of other people who don't super matter. Uh, Mouse, uh, Twitch, Apoc. Switch. Switch. Twitch. See? Do you see? This is how much she matters. Switch. And Cypher. Cypher has the asshole goatee, which is the little strip of hair. Just Joe from, Pentaleono. From the Yono middle of like his that? lip down his chin. Which is the ass... Nobody that's a good person has that goatee in 1999. Nobody that has that goatee is a good person today. If you're listening to this and you have that goatee and you think you're a good person, it's just a matter of time. (laughs) Like, (laughs) listen, that's our first fucking clue. Okay. Uh, So, they're on the ship. There's bonding. A lot of exposition about the world. The exposition actually happens in... A pretty cool and organic way. It's a lot of information to dump on the audience, but since Neo is our point of view character, it does make sense for him to not know any of this information. So it's, it's, if you have to info dump, this is a clever way to do it. Oh, the whole, like, I know Kung Fu. Well, before we even get to that, Morpheus has to explain what the fuck is going on. So he's like, yeah, so the world is fake. We're actually like 200 years further along than when you think we are. The world's not actually fake. Well. It's the world that he's living currently in. The 1999. 1999 is fake. Okay. Because it's actually closer to 2199. And the machines have taken over the world. Uh, they don't know a lot because... What? They know a lot? Well, he's saying they, he's saying we don't know a lot because... Of how have, it happened? Yeah, yeah, we only have bits and pieces. Basically, AI 
so and there really was a war. Apocalypse. Ap- so it becomes like this apocalyptic world. Robo apocalypse. Right? Yes. Yeah. So uh, there was a war between humans and machines, and humans were like, "I know what we'll do. Since machines need solar power, we'll fucking nuke the skies so that there's no more sun. Now we'll kill the machines. Also, probably us." Humans need the sun, too, as do plants. There's no more fucking ocean. Someone was like, this is smart and we'll do it. Fucking Donald Trump of 2199, I guess. Anyway. Well, um, they don't know the actual time, right? Well, Donald Trump of whenever this fucking happened. (laughs) Okay. Anyway. Yeah, I said it. Fucking turn it off now if you don't like it. It ain't gonna get better. Anyway. Um... Marcus is like, so you know what else would be a good battery for machines? Fucking people. Fucking people. Very good visual of that. It was. It was. It showed them like harvesting fucking people in their little pod things. It was eerie and atmospheric and freaky and bad. And Neo's like, no, what the fuck? I reject this. This is not fine. It's not real. Yeah. And uh, Morpheus is like... Okay, man. Like, normally, we don't be, like, taking people out of the Matrix when they are as old as you are. Because you've been in so long that your mind is just, like, you can't really let go. And, um, but I took you out because you are the chosen one. Not only is, like, your entire life that you knew up to this point fucking not real... But also, you're the chosen one. Uh, what is this? Sorry, my mom is texting me. But we will save that for later. <clears throat> We're so professional. So profesh. <laughs> yeah, anyway. Um, so that's cool. No, no burden or anything there. Uh, they have a bunch of training simulations that they can download directly into their brain. Which is fucking cool and amazing. So... Neo, like, does 10 hours of, like, jujitsu, karate, kung fu, and then he has a cool fight with Lawrence Fishburne, which is very fun. They definitely pulled a lot from, like, you know, I don't think that there were a lot of, I'm, this is not the right section to do this. I'll save that, I'll save the thought, and we'll move on, um... Oh, they also run into these sentinel things, which are these jellyfish metal things that look for the ships to destroy them. They look like little squids. It's bigger squids. They look more like a jellyfish. But yes, very aquatic creature related. Because aquatic creatures are creepy. So I think that's a great design choice. Really? Okay. I I think so. Anyway. I'm just glad we got that out of the way. Certain aquatic creatures can be quite creepy. Anyway. Um, so they're like, oh, if this one ever gets too close, we'll have to use an EMP. That'll come back later. Um, and so we'll there's be a... right back after these messages. Yeah. So Morpheus is like, hey, so the whole thing with the Chosen One is that back in the day, there was somebody born in the Matrix that could control the Matrix, and he freed the first uh, of the humans from the Matrix... And there's a thing called an oracle, which we're... I don't know if that's a program that went rogue or whatever. Um, It is important for plot reasons, so we won't think too hard about it. Uh, And that oracle uh, 
told me that I would find the chosen one. I think that that's you. So Cypher, which is the evil goatee motherfucker, he goes into the Matrix and has a clandestine meeting with the agent. And he's like... Clandestine meeting. Yeah, he's like, I know that this stake isn't real, but ignorance is bliss. Put me back in the fucking Matrix because... You know they weren't going to put him back in the fucking Matrix. Really sucks. I don't think that they were going to either, but he doesn't know that. Um, And they're like, give us the codes to Zion. And he's like, I don't know the codes to Zion, but I know who does. Zion mainframe. All right. So then uh, they all go into the Matrix so that Neo can meet the Oracle. And I love every single fucking second of it. Every single second is right. The whole, my there's jam. no spoon. It's wonderful. It's great. So there's a bunch of potentials. We don't know what the fuck that is. I really love how they just drop you into this world and they explain as little as possible it's very anime style. I know it's taking a long time, but there's a, it's a two-hour movie. Okay. Yeah, but the synopsis shouldn't take longer than, let's say, 30 minutes now. You know what? You know what? We'll just... You are interrupting and interjecting as well. It's not a me problem. Oh, is it? Because I anyway, really don't have very much to anyway, say at this point. Anyway, moving on. He meets a little boy, uh, a British little boy who's... What are you doing? What are you doing? Oh, it's still doing... Okay. Listen. <laughs> Who's wasting time now, sir? I'm not wasting time. You are... Okay. He meets a little boy <gasps> who is bending spoons with his mind. And the little boy is like, you can't bend the spoon. That's impossible. Instead, you need to realize the truth. There is no spoon. Oh, shit. So Neo like takes that to fucking heart and then he meets with the Oracle who is wonderful and lovely and she tells him that it's going to come down to Morpheus or him. One of them will die and it's his choice to make. And so then Cypher has betrayed everybody and he wakes up first. And he tries to kill the two non-plugged-in humans who, like, run the ship and stuff. Tank and Dozer. Yeah. So he kills the extra characters that we don't know enough to care about. Wow. And then he's... I mean, it's true. They they killed. I mean, it's true. They killed. They they sure are dead. And, um... Oh, but he didn't do a good enough job killing Tank, the operator guy... Uh, so he kills Cypher, and then he extracts them, but uh-oh, Morpheus has been captured by the agents. It's a very cool fight. Um, so then they're like, well, we have to unplug Morpheus, because if they use this serum stuff on his brain, then he will tell them the codes to Zion, and it will just be a bad time. Like, that's it for everybody. Like, goodbye. So, uh, Neo is like... No, put me in back in the Matrix because I I can do this. So him and Trinity go back in, and that's where you get the whole, what do you need? Guns. Lots of guns. There's something along those lines, and it's wonderful. Um, so they infiltrate the building he's in. It's epic. Hugo Weaving has an incredible monologue to Lawrence Fishburne. 
Um, and there's a bunch of fights that are cinematic and cool and just graphically all that in a bag of chips. And it comes down to, they get to a subway where there's a phone because the way, the only way that they can get out of the matrix is by going to designated locations, I guess, where they can hack into the signal to get them out. I don't know, the, sh the movie doesn't super know. It asks you not to think too hard about it. So uh, Morpheus leaves, Trinity leaves, and then, oh shit, the agents are there. And um, they fight with Neo. Neo holds his own pretty well. He started kind of leaning into the hole. There is no spoon of it. And I can only show you the path. You have to walk it and all of the philosophy, yada, yada. Um, there's a chase sequence. And then he ends up back at the building, room 303, that was in the beginning. And the phone starts ringing to, to take him home. But all three agents show up and they shoot him. They shoot him dead. Meanwhile, the Sentinels that we saw earlier, there's like six of them. And they are just tearing the ship to shreds. But they can't use the EMP to get rid of them because Neo's still in the Matrix. And if they use the EMP, they're essentially killing Neo. So they have to let the ship get torn to shreds until Neo can get out of the Matrix. <clears throat> and once Neo gets killed dead, then Trinity is like, hey, so you know how I've been real cagey with you? It's because I was really scared to admit my feelings, but you know, we're all about to die. So I guess I'll tell you that I'm in love with you and that's what the Oracle said, that I would be in love with the Chosen One, so now you need to wake up. <clears throat> and she gives him the Sleeping Beauty kiss and then he wakes up. He gets up from inside the Matrix and Hugo Weaving's like, nuh-uh. And he's like, I'm fucking done. So they throw a volley of bullets. They, they shoot a volley of bullets. They don't throw them. That would be cool. And he's just, he just says no. It's very cool. No. And he just stops all the bullets and they fall down. Lovely. And then Hugo Weaving's like, ah! and he tries to like kick his ass. And Neo's like, dude, one-handed. Like, you ain't even shit. You ain't even shit. And then... He, like, goes inside of fucking Hugo Weaving and destroys him. Like, he fucking destroys him. Like, they've... Whenever they kill the agents... I think that's a little bit, like... So, I mean, he's dead, right? Is he? Or not? Because he shows up, like, following movies, but that's neither here nor there for that's this portion. Um, we'll talk about it when we get there. But for right now, he did. So... Anytime that they've killed an agent in the past, it's not the agent that's died. Because the agent is just like living programs that can jump from uh, person to person inside the Matrix. Right? They can like, they're like the mods that can take over your character if you're being whatever in a game. So, um, they, whenever they've killed them in the past, the agent is fine. But whoever, whatever person they were body jumping... Uh, is dead but this time like he has fucking killed agent smith agent smith is smithereens and the other agents are like oh fuck and they run away and he gets extracted and then um it's uh right back to the beginning where it's the black screen and the law 
log tracing. And, oh, no, there's an anomaly. And he's talking to him. And he's like, listen, motherfuckers. Like, I'm coming for y'all. Get ready. And he puts his shades on. And he, like, flies away because he's in the Matrix. And it's fucking cool. And no one in Manhattan is like, there's an Asian dude that just started flying. Well. But anyway. He's white passing. Come on now. Well, well I guess. But, like, he's an Asian. sort of flying. Anyway. That's the Matrix. 31 minutes. I can't believe you took that long. Okay. Okay. Uh, Now that we were so gracious enough to hear a synopsis of The Matrix. uh, The next section we want to hit on our journey through The Matrix uh, is first impressions slash opinions, I guess. Uh, Would you like to start us off, Linda? I just talked for 30 fucking minutes. Do you want to start this <laughs> Okay. Apparently not. <laughs> um, so first impression wise with The Matrix, um, obviously having watched it previously and then this is really kind of a review and, and rewatch. Um, first impressions, again, such a fun journey from beginning to end. I love the roller coaster ride that it takes you on. Um, and I, I think a lot of the special effects hold up, even from 1999 to today, obviously 2021. Um, I still felt entertained from beginning to end. Um, a lot of everything was just, it was a fun ride. And it's, it takes, you, takes me back specifically to when, we, when I first watched it and was just amazed at that concept. Um, and obviously the title, The Matrix, like, everybody wants to know what The Matrix is. And that's really the first question that, that Keanu asks. He's like, what is this thing that everyone calls The Matrix? And that's the question that, at the end of this story, is what we really begin to understand. Not only what The Matrix is, but how it is in relation to him. Mm-hmm. And then... That journey of him becoming the one. The one. Everyone, every character. The one. Every important character is like, is he the one? What does this mean? He's the one. Yeah, so, so he's the one? So it's all like based on some weird like prophecy. The prophecy has been foretold. Exactly. <laughs> so it's very much like... I love the scenes with the, you know, the post-apocalyptic... Skynet's taken over. Mm-hmm. I know we're kind of crossing into yeah. that uh, Terminator. The Robopocalypse. Yeah, but I think it rings true. The movie does a really good job of visualizing a lot of that for you. Mm-hmm. And not giving us too much of... Um, it's more of like, let's show you instead of just tell you kind yeah. of thing. So that's what I was saying. It's like... In a lot of animes that you watch, for example, they're just like, here's the world, and they'll just drop you in it. Right. And you just have to figure it out as you go. And I think that that's... That's amazing. The best way to tell, like, a sci-fi or a fantasy story is that you explain enough of the rule, just enough of the rules of the world to get the audience into it, and then you can kind of fill in the gaps yourself, and that's what makes it more engaging. That's what makes it such an interesting fully formed world to, to kind of play in. Yeah, I think, um, and, and they, the Wachowskis did a really good job and really 
telling a complete story. God, this is their fucking magnum opus. The, this is a touchstone movie. Like, this is a movie that really... What do you mean by touchstone movie? So, like, you know how... Oh, I think I get it. I think they also needed, like, to do something like this to really get their name out. Well, I think they've had other successful movies in, before. Have they? Yeah. Like, we have Wikipedia. So, if, if earlier, when I was like, what the fuck are you doing? Uh, he was dual screening it so he could pull up Wikipedia. So he'll look that up. But um, when I say a touchstone movie, I mean it's a movie that has dramatically affected everything that has come after it. It's a foundational kind of a thing. Like, The Matrix did it. They did Jupiter, Jupiter Ascending. <laughs> which is, I, I haven't seen, I've heard, it was good. But um, anyway, the everything that's come after The Matrix has this blueprint of The Matrix to kind of look at and see how they did it and what they did and to take elements from that or to play with things in it so the the story the effects the cinematography like the shot compositions like this is what i mean when i say it's their magnum opus like all the shots even like the cgi shots that maybe don't super work anymore there are only a few um but just just incredible, just visually stunning, beautifully put together movie. Even just taking the effects out of the picture for a moment, just the shot composition. Like I said, seeing the reflection of the character in all of these different surfaces, because it's really a character journey of having to accept yourself. And I didn't, so I so looking go ahead, go looking ahead. up some of the Wachowskis' projects prior to the Matrix franchise. They did, or they they provided the script for Assassins, which I believe is that um, Stallone and uh, Antonio Banderas flick. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they went on to work on Bound. And then they really blew up with the Matrix franchise, which is the, obviously this is the first movie. But I think you're right. Like This was really kind of what really exploded them onto the scene though like yeah this was fucking masterwork yeah it was masterwork. a masterwork yeah definitely uh one of their you know one, i mean i think the the franchise itself but i think this movie is really what kicked it off though well this movie is really <clears throat> like <clears throat> oh my god excuse me fucking auditory medium i'm clearing my throat anyway the, the movie is really self-contained. Like, if you don't want to watch any other movie in the franchise, you don't need to to really get a full story. Yeah, but I like how... I mean, we're gonna. I, I, and I, I know this is kind of going beyond The Matrix a little bit, but, like, I like how the other movies continue that story. Like, okay. it just tells them more. Because there are a lot of questions that you get answered. True, but I'm so, just saying that if you weren't interested in that, you you don't super have to. To understand this movie, it is pretty self-contained. Like, the way that it ends, even though we, we pick back up in their fight to, like, free humanity from the machines later on, like, this movie, it has a beginning, middle, and an end. It tells a complete story, or a complete enough story that if you didn't want to, you didn't you wouldn't have to 
seek out the other films in the franchise. It's not like like Lord of the Rings, like you have to watch the other like it's that's one part of a whole. I guess you're right. I mean, I, I think it, and I think that's part of the reason why you've got like the Matrix in '99, and then they followed up that success of that initial run and and spawned it into like hey this is really you know well the other three movies are all released in 2003 yeah that's crazy well i mean that's you know we're talking about stories that are part of a whole and so it seems it seems to me like those other parts were designed to be part of a whole whereas this one was sort of a complete idea that they were like, let's fill in the shades of well, it. Well, if I remember correctly, too, back when the 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 next two come out, it was like uh, Reloaded came out, and then what, like six months later or something like that? Mm-hmm. Revolutions came out, so it was really kind of like a continuation of that story. Yeah, back Definitely. to back to back. Yeah, back to yes, back. for sure. Well, and yeah, that's... But we'll talk about that more when we watch those other movies. Any other... Initial impressions, or well, you want to talk about like where where we wrote our notes and stuff. Is that the is that the part we're at? Well, so we are doing our first impressions. Any uh, additional opinions before we move on to our next segment? We're still figuring this out, you guys. We're it's it's a work in progress. I mean, I have a lot of things to say, but I don't know if we're going to talk about that. In a different spot, or if this is the spot. Okay. Well, let's cut the. Well, let's. We'll cut this segment short then, and we'll move on to the next one. Okay, back to it. Uh, the next segment of our Matrix review will kind of we'll dive into a little bit of the history. I know uh, a lot of what we've talked about initially with our first impressions kind of uh, talks a lot about that, but I, I wanted to maybe expand and dive a little bit deeper into that uh the the concepts like uh since this is more more for like a rewatch purpose and i did go into it in terms of how much i liked how the movie held up over the years uh not only graphically but as a story and a storytelling medium i think it did a really good job uh, historically speaking for it being something that came out in 1999 right like Mm -hmm. Even watching it now, complete story with, a, with, like you said, like a beginning, middle, and end. Um, and they did a really good job of that, I think. I mean, do you have anything else to add, history-wise? Yeah. Um, like, personal history? Like, yeah. my mom was super into this movie. Like, we saw this movie, like, in 1999, so many times. Like, anytime she wanted to go to the movies and there wasn't a movie that she super wanted to watch... We would just go watch The Matrix. <laughs> like. Well, so I remember, I, I'm not sure if I watched it in the theaters, but I remember, like, specifically in college, we had a, a viewing party and everyone would go to someone's, you know, whatever, someone's dorm room, and they'd have it on there, the biggest TV, whoever had, like, the biggest TV that had the DVD or whatever, and we'd watch it on there. We'd all hang out in that room and, and watch The, the Matrix. Um, so... Definitely, like, definitely one of those, like, college movies for me that, like, definitively stuck in my mind, I think, historically speaking. We watched, 
I'm fairly certain we watched it at the drive-in. You remember they used to have the drive-in over in Tempe, Tempe Cinemas? Did we ever go to that, you and me? No. Sorry. They don't have it anymore. I've never been to a drive-in. I don't even know what that's about. (gasps) Drive-ins are so... Okay, listen. Drive-ins are amazing. But I think part of the reason they closed it down is that there would always be people that would be smoking pot on their fucking lawn chairs. Well, I'm glad this is part of the episode now. Well, I'm just saying that, like... There would always be people smoking pot and like you could smell it and it's like, you know, like, cause so there's these huge screens and you drive up and they give you the frequency to tune in, to hear the audio. Yeah. Through your car speaker. And so some people can like, well, they'll bring their like lawn chairs and stuff and they'll sit outside. Or if you have like a truck bed. You sit in your truck. Yeah. You can sit in your truck and it's really cool. cool. They have like a ton of different screens and so they play different movies on the different screens so you might be sitting at the you know whatever movie smoking pot but like someone's watching a kids movie over there and like that shit like travels i'm just saying apparently it was a problem but so we watched it there and then harkin probably i'm sure we did and then dollar theater we watched it. We watched a lot of different times. In other words, yeah. well, this I is, think for me, yeah, I don't necessarily think I watched. Me, I might have watched it in the theater, but it was more of like one of those like repeated DVD watchings for sure. Yeah, this was, and like, this was even like before Blu-ray or all of that. So right, and it was like VHS or DVD. You're like, oh, have you you have it on DVD? Like, should I get it on VHS or DVD? <laughs> um, this no, this was legit. Like my mom's favorite movie of 1999. Like, yeah. We watched it an insane amount of times. It was. Explain to me, and I think obviously you were the point, person that pointed out that this was a allegory for transitioning. Transitioning, and specifically, like that type of transition story. I I I hesitate to say for the Wachowskis, um, but when you're watching the film initially, that they do say the Wachowski brothers. Now, when you see their films now. It just says the Wachowskis. Yeah. But what I find interesting about what we learned after rewatching it is a lot of the things that we saw can be viewed, even though they did a really good job of, of not really making it feel like this is a, like a transition movie for someone that is transitioning, mm. you know? I think that... I don't want to speak for the Wachowskis and I don't know what, where their headspace was in 1999. I know that, uh, Lana came out first. I don't think that she came out until like the late 2000s. And I think they had already established themselves as, as like filmmakers. filmmakers By that time. But I think that you're right. If you look, but I like the parallels though. So let's break that down a little bit. If you look at it now, now knowing that both Lana and Lily are trans women um, who had not transitioned yet. Yet, yeah. Yeah, in Maybe 1999, they, were, they had not transitioned yet. Either they hadn't done that or they were considering, but they haven't yet done that because when we watch the movie, definitely, yeah, definitively says... It does have their dead names in the credit. Yeah. And let's and, talk about... Like, let, what let's is, talk about yeah. dead names. <laughs> what is a dead name? So when a person transitions... Um, it, you call them by their their 
preferred name. So Lana and Lily Wachowski, those are their names. Um, if you use their prior name from their, their gender that they had been assigned at birth, then that's their dead name. And it's very, very rude to use somebody's dead name. So like, I would need to refer to Elliot Page as Elliot Page, not... Right, not not their dead name, because to do so would be very rude. Now, I mean, it, it can be hard when you're really used to it. Um, you just have to catch yourself. Like, well, it's the same thing with, like, people that are described as non-binary. It's, yeah. So especially have, if, if, if it's someone that's, like, that you know... For so many years. For, and, and that you, yeah. you know, identify as... Right. We have a very good friend who was in our wedding who um, had previously identified, identified as, as female, female. Yeah. and now identifies as non-binary yeah. and prefers the they-them pronouns. So we have both messed up sometimes, but it, like, it's just important that you are really trying and you're, you're taking the, the onus on yourself to correct yourself when you make a mistake. <clears throat> so, But let's talk a little bit... About, about the parallels, the, the, yeah. the movie. Yes. Uh, you know, go, kind of going into that a little bit. The first thing that was the biggest call-out was the very beginning of the movie with Neo really, like, wondering, like, part of, like, what the Matrix is. Like, what is it? And part of that is really kind of t- defining who he is. And if we're talking about, mm. you know, uh, Neo as... You a know, trans allegory. A, a trans <laughs> person is, is really like a lot of the dialogue is like... You don't... Like the world doesn't make sense. Like your whole entire life, the world has felt wrong and you just don't know why. Exactly. So... <coughs> <it's, coughs> well, we're both... You're making me do it too. <laughs> the, uh, Drink some water. The, the whole like really trying to find out who you are is really a really good callback or like relates to that, like who that kind of, and, and by no means do I have any understanding of the transitioning process, but it would make sense to have someone that was considering a transition to watch this and not feel Feel connected with it. To feel some yeah. type of way. And I know the film does not really hit that nail on the head. Like, oh, this is like an allegory for trans transitioning. But you can feel a little bit of that in the dialogue. And in the way that, that, for example, Neo is looking at the world. And how the world is explained to him. Right. A lot it's by not, yeah. like Morpheus. and Yeah. Well, there, there's a lot... There's definitely a lot of things in there that when you find out, like, this was made by two trans women, like, you're like, oh, yes, this does, I can, I can understand that. Like the, well, for example, we talked about dead naming, right? Mm -hmm. So it's not a mistake that Neo only ever refers to himself as Neo. And he's, once he's in a community that's the real world, that he's Neo. So he's not... Thomas Anderson. Yeah, but the only people in the movie that call him Mr. Mr. Anderson are the, Mr. Anderson, the agents. Are the agents who are this this symbol of c- 
control, conform to the rules, like all of these things. A lot that, of that yeah. kind of relate back to how they're viewed in this world a little well, bit. Well, and if you think about 1999, you oh, know, yeah. I mean, there were like not even some like very nice words for, you know, trans women. They're like awful, awful things. But, um, yeah, and there's there's a scene, actually, where he's fighting with Agent Smith, and the train is coming, and he's like, say goodbye, Mr. Anderson, and Neo says, my name is Neo. Definitively. Yeah, and it's very like, oh, shit. But if you don't know, it's, it's one of those things where you can watch the movie and not know anything about the trans community, and it's still a wonderful movie, and mm-hmm. it still resonates. But if you know even just a little bit, and I'm like, we are by no means experts, but we just know a little bit. We just have like our toe in the water and all of these parallels become really apparent. Well, right here on the Wikipedia page, um, and I'll read it word for word. It says, you know, after Lily Wachowski came out as transgender, she encouraged looking back on her and Lana's works through the lens of our transness, saying that the themes of identity self-image and transformation are apparent in the matrix so it's a very solid and confirmed callback to you know how the matrix is really kind of right a a, a kind of a a really good cool callback and they didn't it what it didn't make it feel like it was like a specific like if you're not part of transgender yeah like you, you can still understand and there were so many things, like, there's a line about, like, you've been living two lives, and um, you you mentioned when, when Neo comes out of the pod, and he has to, he has to have all these surgery, you know, and not every trans person will go through surgery, but, like, a lot of them just Well, so and- the call out for that was, they had a lot of the, like, the ports, they were connected to all these different ports mm-hmm. uh, when they came out of that pod, right? Mm-hmm. And I thought, and then they showed us the image of the... Uh, All the needles. The acupuncture? Yeah, the acupuncture, right? Because they were... They, I mean, it was a little a little crazy looking. But mm-hmm. I saw that as like, wow, that's really kind of a cool way to look at transitioning. Because you have a lot of these surgeries and your body has to... It changes. Like, it's... Yeah, your body... Like, it, your body is kind of... What was that? The HRT you were talking oh, about? That was a, yeah, so the, the fact that he has to take a pill to begin his journey into the, the real world is... Um, so HRT is like a hormone, hormone replacement, replacement therapy. therapy. Yeah. So, for example, if you're a trans man, like Elliot Page, you're probably going to start your transitioning with testosterone pills, Right. And so trans women will take estrogen and, and other hormone uh, pills that will help them on their transitioning. And now some trans women only ever just take like the, the pills and then some will choose surgery. That's completely up to them. It doesn't take away from their transness at all. But yeah, there like there's just so many things in this film when you... When you know this about the Wykowskis and you know even just a little bit about the trans community that you're just like, yeah, yeah, this makes total sense. 
house. Um, I'm trying to think of like, like specific instances where I was like, wow, that's a really good callback to, you know, I don't necessarily think that the Wachowskis were trying to make it like they weren't really trying to make it feel like oh this is like how we are trying to explain how we're we're coming out and in tr- transforming um because a lot of it kind of rings true for everyone like really trying to find who you are as a person whether or not it's in story or not but it I was think like an intrinsic part of it's of definitely something after watching again and yeah. you realize that that's a big part of the message that they were trying to say. And it, and if, for me, I feel like it means a lot more. Mm-hmm. Well, I, Not just for, for us, uh, for, you know, neuros or... or um, cis, cis, cisgendered. cisgendered people, sorry. I, I'm really <laughs> bad with the nomenclature. But just, like, for, for anyone that's looking to find a, a, a really good story because it's storytelling about was, identity yeah. yeah and there are like you can have a specific identity portrayed and it still be a universal situation and i think that's something that hollywood is still learning it's funny but, that they didn't they didn't they still haven't learned that lesson because i feel like okowskis get a lot of flack for transitioning and look at how successful the Matrix was. Like they weren't necessarily setting out to to tell a story about their transition, but ended up becoming ended up, ended up yeah. becoming something that means a lot. I, I I don't know for sure, but I think it would mean a lot to those people that can see that that relate. Really yeah. Well, and I think that we talk about the genius of this movie. Two trans women did this, and. I don't know that they would necessarily get the opportunity to make this. Well, that's even why even today. That's why at the if beginning they didn't already have that. Yeah, name they out they there. they needed to have that name there to get something like that made and to make. It's sad that we have to say that, but like to give them some sort of credibility. God, right? That's that's super here, sad that we have to say that. But here's the thing that I always, always, always think about is that when you have. And it's also a thing that I think is, again, relevant to the Matrix, is that when you have a really limited worldview of who can and should do things, that you are really robbing humanity of some of the wonderful things that we could create, you know? Yeah, I... Because I... if, if the Wachowskis had transitioned prior to making this movie, maybe we wouldn't have this movie. That's like a huge, like we said, a touchstone movie. And that's shitty to think about. And I hope that that wouldn't be the case, but but we have it now. You know what I mean? Yeah. We have this now. No one can take this movie away. One callback um, that I did, this just popped into my head, so let me flesh this out for a moment. Um, Mr. Anderson was a unique character. Um, Agent Smith? Sorry, Agent Smith, you're right. Yeah. Hugo Weaving. He Weaving's says great. Mr. Anderson so you're, much. You're, yeah, you're like Mr. Anderson. That it sounds like it's his name, but it's not. But it's Agent but Smith. It's yeah. Agent Smith, right. Yeah. Um I like the the one and it was kind of more of like a blink and you miss it moment where he's like, You two other agents, the other the other two agents that don't matter. 
step out and I'm going to talk to Morpheus. Oh, that was very uncomfortable. And he, yeah, it was super uncomfortable, but I think it, like, was one of those things, like, when he was calling out, like, you're a virus. Yeah. You know, you're, and, and then he kind of showed a little bit of his vulnerability, like, as, like, some sort of sentient program, he did not want to be in the Matrix. Yeah, I hate it here. Yeah. Yeah, and it was, it like... stink. It saturates me. Yeah, it was just, ah. like... It, it might have been a blink and you miss it moment, but it, I think that was critical a little bit for his kind of character building. And it was one of those things that, like, you might have noticed it, but you might have not. But it could have made, like... To me, I think it makes a bigger difference moving on to the next movies. Yeah, I think, too, that you pointed out that part of the reason it's so uncomfortable is because Hugo Weaving is white and Lawrence Fishburne is Oh, black. yeah, that was really uncomfortable and because just so of that. Him, the way that he says it with all this hatred and you're just like, this feels really racial. And it isn't. It's it, like he's talking about humanity, but it, it's not. It doesn't feel great. Yeah, it, it <laughs> felt... I was like, I felt a little bit disgusted at like, wow... <laughs> But, bro. <laughs> bro. <laughs> um, really quick, before we move on, I want to also talk about wire work, because I don't think I mentioned Oh, that. we didn't talk a lot about yeah. Wu Ping. I mean, we could go on and on. I could go on and on about it. I just love everything that he's done, and I think he's really opened the doors for a lot of the martial arts to take place after this with the wire work. Right. Well, so for example, wire work is not typically something that you saw a lot in Western movies that weren't Kung Fu. Even even Kung Fu movies, like there weren't a lot of things that you saw mainstream Western movies that had extensive wire work. Like this movie had so much wire work. And I really think that this movie paved the way for the... American audience being so receptive to Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. Because that came out in 2000, 2001? That's, that's a good call out, but I, like, <laughs> what I, the point that I was really trying to make was mm-hmm. that, it, you know, this, I mean, I think growing up, um, it was two movies that stick out in my mind. The Matrix and Blade. In terms of action movies that defined the genre and really turned to what we now is, and and, you know, Keanu's still doing it with John Wick, Mm, but like your Gun Fu, your uh, Kill Bill, your any, you can name any number of action films, martial arts films that, that come after matrix but a lot of that stuff came by the inventiveness that the matrix was able to pull off and a lot of those down to whooping yeah whooping the the fight choreographer yeah um yeah he's really paved the way for a lot of what is now modern day yeah martial and it's nice that it's martial arts and it's done by someone with asian heritage keanu reeves yeah well i mean nowadays like everyone's gotten so good that it's not, you know, Wu Ping was more of like that throwback to right. like the Hong Kong action and and, oh my gosh. and like Jackie Chan that type of stuff. Jackie Chan doesn't do a ton of wire stuff, but 
Yeah, I guess right. it does some smaller stuff. But... I'd have to, I mean, don't quote me on this, and I'm not by any means an expert, but I think that, like, at least for me and how it shaped my understanding of watching movies, like, Wu Ping is amazing in terms of his... Who did the choreography for Iron Monkey? Um, that's a good question. We should I'm gonna look it up. We should look that up. Iron Monkey, if you don't know, is a, like, a kung fu movie. And there's this fight scene where they're on stilts. Oh, not Iron Man. Iron Monkey. It's very, very, very good. And if we ever do, yep. like... Directed by Yuen Wu Ping. See? Okay. So, like... Hong if... Kong martial arts films. Yep. This is 93. So, this actually was before. Oh, my God. So... so... And, yeah. wow, the names on here. I mean, obviously... Donnie Yen. Donnie Yen is okay, so one of my favorites. If you love the fight scenes in The Matrix, I whatever streaming service is it on, I really, really implore you to go find Iron Monkey because the fight scenes in this freaking movie... And I don't super remember a lot about the plot because uh, growing up, me and my brother were... We were really into all of the, the kung fu movies, like... Jet Li, Jackie Chan. He did Drunken Master. Yeah. From the 70s, the original one? Uh, 78, yeah. yeah. Ooh, wow. Drunken so, Tai Chi. Anyways, um, we were super into all of the, the kung fu movies, and we used to rent them from Blockbuster. And uh, Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. See, there you go. Sword of de- well, Sword yeah. of Destiny. So the wire work fighting, he's just next level. Anyway, I don't remember the plot of Iron Monkey super much, but like I said, there's this scene where they're fighting on stilts. And if you've ever watched Avatar The Last Airbender, um, the series, not the stupid fucking movie that... Anyway, uh, there's a scene where Prince Zuko is the... Oh, you're going deep. Okay. I'm going deep. Whatever. He... uh, there's a fight where they're on stills, and it's very much a callback to Iron Monkey. And it's a great movie, and you should watch it. Whooping. Anyway. Um, well, just to name, oh, name-dropping name Whooping here. Obviously, he did Matrix in 99. He, he, he was the fight choreographer, fight advisor for Lethal Weapon 4. The one with Jet Li? Yeah. Uh, Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. He did Reloaded, Revolutions, Kill Bill. So all Kung Fu Hustle. Fearless. I don't see Kung Fu Hustle. Oh, Fearless? Yeah. Um, Ip Man 3 and 4. So, in, a, in other words, one of the more influential fight or action choreographers, fight guys in the game. Yeah, yeah. We can't mention, if we're going to talk as extensively about the Wachowskis, which we did, and they deserve it, you also have to talk about... Wu Ping is uh, definitely yeah. on the list of... Uh, people that made, made Geni- a name. geniuses that in our time all right um was there any did we miss anything that you wanted to call out i think the last thing was there were so many alice in wonderland references oh yeah oh we didn't even get into that yeah there were a ton and also there were a couple but, uh dorothy in wonderland references do you not feel that they they added those type of things to for the american audience a little bit no i think that or it was just, like, essential for the storytelling? Well, I think that they're American filmmakers, and so those are things that are just kind of in our understanding. Like, Fine. we want to talk about, you know, altered realities or, or layers to realities. Like, those are the two go-tos. But I'll um, give you that. 
I wanted to talk about it really quick, and I think I started talking about it in the summary before you were like, get to stepping. Um, but the, the way that Neo transitions from the Matrix into the real world is by touching the mirror, and the mirror kind of takes him into the real world. Like, it, it covers yeah. his body. And so Alice... Um, oh, the metallic, right? That, yeah, that was, was one of the, mirror, the yeah. That was one of the special effects that I wasn't super impressed with as much, but... Held up as much. It, it, it was still pretty good. But that's significant because there's like two Alice books, and then one of them is called Alice Through the Looking Glass. And that's how she gets to Wonderland, is she goes through the mirror. So I thought that was a really cool visual. Well, yeah, as you were telling this us... Yes. You were telling us with the whole the pills in the, in both mirrors yeah. of the of Morpheus's glasses, mm-hmm. so a lot of that storytelling is told through some of the things that you see, mm-hmm. not necessarily them telling you, right? So. Yeah, show don't tell. Yeah, so I really appreciate that. Yeah. Um. I like the gender switched. Uh, I will wake you up with a kiss of true love. <laughs> oh, at the end? Yeah. <laughs> there was one thing that um, I, I was just reading the uh, the Wikipedia really quickly. They, uh, I'll go back to it for a moment here. And then that'll be the last thing I think we'll... we'll wrap it up. Wrap it up. Uh, we talked about the bullet time, right? No, we didn't talk about bullet time. So there are several shots in the movie where people are firing guns and you slow down so you see the bullet passing through the air and you see like the after after effects of the bullet and you see the person moving. So that's the whole dodge the bullet thing where he like bends back and the bullets fly over him. That also is a shot that's in everything. It's everywhere yeah like wanted and yes like everything and that's what i mean by this being a touchstone movie this is yeah kind of a blueprint but um there are several times where in order to show us just how fast these characters are moving they use bullet time which is Mm -hmm. where they've slowed it down so you can see the bullet moving slowly through the air and the characters moving and reacting to it um that's sort of the shorthand for how fast they're going. Mm-hmm. So the one thing I wanted to get back to, and I apologize that I'm cutting you short on that. Totally. Um, and the, I just thought this was a kind of interesting point. So obviously Keanu reprises the role of Neo. Will Smith turned it down because he was going to make Wild Wild West. <laughs> that didn't work out, bud. Sorry. <laughs> Nicholas Cage turned it down. Oh, God. They also looked at Brad Pitt, Val Kilmer, Leonardo DiCaprio accepted the role. Um, but turned it down because apparently from what I'm reading here is uh, he didn't want to do visual effects directly after doing Titanic. Whatever. Um, the Wachowski's first choice was Johnny Depp. Can you imagine? Ugh, but the other interesting thing that they note here is that they presented it to Sandra Bullock <gasps> and potentially wanted to make the role female. Oh, shit. Sandra 
Bullock in an action flick. That would have been a game changer. That would have been crazy. That would have been a game changer. But calling back again to our kind of the the allegory of the trans, um, that would have been cool. That would have been fucking cool. Yeah. Sandra Bullock in in nineteen ninety nine. Well, they did do Speed together. <laughs> I believe Speed Four. So we talked about we didn't talk about it on here, but. I kind of said that I think that Keanu's best roles roles where he doesn't talk a whole lot because I think he's a fantastic actor with his face. His face is very expressive. He's an expressive actor. It's it's super expressive. But no matter what he says, he just sounds like Keanu. It's that Tony Leung. All right, all right. We're right. gonna we're gonna cut off. So that would be our history review of the history Matrix. I know this is not history by any opinions. not by any means uh, comprehensive. So so disjointed. All right, let's wrap this sucker up. Yes. Uh, so it comes final to the thoughts. point of our show where we have any final thoughts. Do you want to do a rating like a five? Stars, five dogs, or five, five mice. dogs. I don't know. <laughs> um, <clears throat> I think that we could talk like once we get to the end well, we of the franchise. Well, I mean, once we get to the end of the franchise or whatever it is we're watching, we talk about oh, we, we our do, rankings. We, then. we could do our ranking then, yeah. yeah. Um, if we do have a ranking though, I think considering after rewatching it feeling almost the exact same way as I did when I initially watched it and the fact that the film held up I'm willing to give it five or four stars if there's a ranking of up to five stars or whatever I think that all-time classic five stars is like an all-time classic I don't know like who however you want to rank it or how what system that we're going to use I think like I gotta watch it again and just feel as entertained as I was before the last time that I watched it. Yeah. So there are movies that are like I said that they're they they greatly affect everything that comes after them. They're the movies that every everybody looks to. Your so-called touchdowns. Yes, it's the one that everybody looks to to see how do we do this. Or mm-hmm. how, what are some ways that we can do this? Um, game changers, if you will. And I think that there's also certain movies that, for example, IMDb releases like their top 250 movies. They do an update every year. The Matrix is always on it. Always. Is it? Always one of the top. You should look movies. that up. And I don't know if it's in the um oh gosh so without looking it up i'm gonna get this wrong so they there's a preservation where um they'll have this committee where they preserve films uh-huh. and uh, they nominate so many films and it has to be at least i think i i i'm gonna get this so wrong I think it's a, a minimum of 10 years after the movie is out, you can nominate it. Uh-huh. And I don't know off the top of my head if The Matrix is 
one of those films, but I feel like if it's not, it definitely should be. Like, that's how good of a movie this is. This is a movie that was really important to American culture. It was really um, integral in filmmaking. Well, even further than that, like, I know we didn't do a socioeconomic impact, but I, I think this was a really good film for for trans representation, even though it might not necessarily be... Retroactively, I Yeah, kind of retroactively. Because, yeah, and, it, and, and talk, we talked a little bit about how maybe the movie might not have gotten made. Well, guess what? The fact that this was made by two trans women, I feel like that opens some doors. Oh, yeah. For filmmakers. Agree. Very much agree. Yeah. To be the next Wachowskis, you know, to be someone who can, has this, this in their head, just something so incredible. And like cinematography in this movie, like, and I know that they're not the cinematographers, that they're the directors, but the shot compositions, the way the movie flowed, like, the... They, it was just a genius. It was, it was a masterpiece, and my hat's off to them. Well done, ladies. This is a fantastic movie. Highly recommend. Literally, why did you listen to this if you haven't gone and seen this movie? Like, go and watch the movie. Go watch it right now. That's it. I'm done. That's my piece. And that was our final thoughts. So... Join us next time when we watch The Matrix Reloaded. Yeah, Matrix Reloaded. Matrix Reloaded. Up next. On the listen. Listen or watch order. Sorry. (laughs) You'll listen. listen, We'll watch. Yeah. Keep listening. (laughs) And we'll keep watching. All right. Have a good day. Peace.